Well, I reckon in this world, there are two types of people. There's two different groups. Yes, I'm about to put you all in a box. You're in one or the other. See, there's, there's a group of people where they see something in their home or something around, like maybe at work, and it's broken, and their first thought is just throw it out. I can't be bothered with that. It's broken. Throw it out. We'll get a new thing, right? And then there's the second type of people. They see one, something that's broken, whether it's in their kitchen, in the office, wherever, and they're like, I could fix that. Like, I reckon a little bit of glue, a little bit of duct tape, some Kiwi ingenuity, some creativity, we can fix her up. It'll be all good. So who here is in my broken throw it out group? Good portion of people. Uh huh. Now, who is my broken fixer up group? It's almost a 50-50 split today. That's incredible. Well, see, some people in this world, they just cannot be bothered with what is broken. They see it and they're like, I can't be bothered with that. Just throw it out. We're going to start with something brand new, something fresh. But then the other group of people, they feel called to it in a sense. They almost see, they look at it and they're like, "Mm," you know what, other people, when they look at it, they see that's pretty tragic. But these people, they go, new project, right? They they look at it and they see, I mean, some groups see, destruction and they see restoration what others see as a poor condition they see as a potential new creation some people are just called to fix what is broken and when I was in Japan in the summer of 2010 absolutely love that country but I was there and I saw one of the most beautiful art forms that I have ever seen in my life and it was the art called kintsugi. And kintsugi was established about four to five centuries ago, where these Japanese potters would look at their shattered creation, something that maybe just slipped off the shelf, and instead of just sweeping it aside, they decided that they could fix it. But they weren't just going to fix it by some invisible glue and slowly piece the pieces back together. They said, you know what, we're going to highlight this with gold. And so kintsugi means golden seams or golden joinery. Isn't that beautiful? And they decided that what was broken, what others would have pushed aside, they decided they could make it even beautiful than it was before. And when I see this art form, when I see kintsugi, my first thought, it goes to God. Because God is like these Japanese, Japanese artists. You know, he formed humanity from the dust of the earth. We're going to look at a scripture later, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where there's a reference to humanity, calling us clay jars, essentially saying that humanity is fragile and humanity is weak and can be easily broken. But here's the thing. When we break, God looks at us and he says, I can fix that. I can heal her. I can restore him. And today I want to talk to y'all about the promise of restoration through a message that I have called clay jars and golden scars. So if you are taking notes, write that down. The notes are also in our Elam app, but clay jars and golden scars. And here's the thing is when I was preparing this message, I knew that God just wants to speak to so many people today about the condition of your heart. And the condition of your soul, the condition of your spirit, I know that today, right now, in this moment, in this service, God wants to speak to you and remind you that he has a promise to restore you. 
And today we're going to focus on the book of Joel. Now, Joel is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. And it's just a short book, easy to read. But he starts to give this prophetic word, shares this prophetic word with the people. And when he first starts speaking, it doesn't sound so good. It sounds like straight up disaster. He paints this picture of a swarm of locusts that are coming in to invade God's people and to absolutely just destroy the land. So much so, Israel's sin has led to disaster where the locusts have eaten all of their crops, their fields are destroyed, their vines are dried up, their trees are withered, and their joy is now just completely absent. But then, after he paints this picture, Joel calls the people to repent and to turn their hearts back to God, to mourn and to humbly bow before God, not just with a show of forgiveness, not just pretending as if they're mourning, but to genuinely turn their hearts to God. In Joel's words from God, chapter 2, verse 13, you can read on the screen with me, but Joel says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Now he says, rend your heart, not your garments. You might be thinking, I never heard the word rend. Well, to rend is to tear into pieces. And now what people would do in the Old Testament when they were in mourning or in grief, or if they were trying to uh, say sorry to God, they would literally tear their garments and rub ash on their head. Maybe you've read that in the Old Testament and you were thinking, what's going on here? They were rending their garments. But what Joel is saying is he's saying, don't just put on a show of being sorry and pretend as if you're sorry because you you could do that. You could be as dramatic as you want, even if your heart wasn't actually turned back towards God. And he's saying, rend your hearts back to God. Allow your heart to break for the disaster that's come and then give those shattered pieces of your heart back to God. And then maybe then he will stop those armies that are invading and attacking you. And he might just leave you a blessing instead. Because the reality was when you looked at God's people, when this word was shared with them, their hearts were shattered and their lives just felt broken. And the people of God, they felt so defeated by the unrelenting years of the locusts. But this prophet called to them, he said, give your shattered lives back to God because he is the only one that can heal our lives and restore our lands. You know, we often can feel just like the people of God did back then. We can feel broken and shattered in certain seasons of our life. And I know that many of you can relate to this image at certain points. Perhaps this is how you're feeling right now. When some of you look at these broken pieces, you actually see the lost years of your business. Maybe it's years where you put in so much hard work to establish your career or to establish a new business or to establish yourself in work. And you look at this now after the COVID thing has hit, after the economy has started to hurt, and you're thinking, what does all my hard work have to show for? Or maybe when you look at these years, you actually see 
lost years that are loveless years. For some, your marriage has taken hit after hit after hit, and you're not sure how to piece it back together again. For others, you've been on a journey of trying to find the one, but every single date is actually making you feel more broken, feeling as if, will I ever find the one? Or maybe for others, this loveless years might actually represent the years that you've been distant from your family. Maybe there was an event years ago that caused a crack in the family, and that crack has slowly turned into broken pieces, and nobody's quite sure how to pick them up and put them back together again. Or maybe when you look at these broken pieces, you, you are reminded of the memories of misdirected years where you went down a certain path and you were hoping that this path would lead to purpose and it didn't. Or you went with this certain opportunity that you were hoping would establish you and it didn't. Or you went through this door that you were really hoping was from God and it just wasn't. And now you find yourself here a little lost, a little confused thinking, how did I even end up here? Should I or could I have chosen a different path? For some, these broken pieces represent the years that you have of not knowing God and his love and his grace and his restorative power. Broken years where maybe you're thinking, if only, if only I had known about God sooner. If only I had met a Christian that would have shared the gospel message with me or invited me to church sooner, then there, then there wouldn't be so much damage. Or maybe these broken pieces for you are years of pain after losing a loved one. And maybe you're not quite sure what the future looks like without them in it. Or maybe you've faced an illness in some way that has changed you in some way or the other. And, and you look here and you think, well, will I ever feel whole again? Because the thing is, I could list situation after situation after situation. But the reality is certain things in life can just shatter us. Moments of loss and trauma, it can break us. Doubt and confusion can crack us. Mistakes, mistakes and missteps can leave us just feeling so broken. But here's the thing, is this prophetic word from Joel didn't stop with the swarm of locusts. God had a response for his people. God had a response for when they turned their hearts to him, they rendered their hearts to him, God's heart was turned towards his people once again. And so he said to them in chapter 2, verse 19, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Verse 23, be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Now hear this. He says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Verse 26, you will have plenty to eat, enough until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed, and then you will know that I am in Israel. Then you will know that I am your God, and you'll know that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. 
Now, I love this. You've, you've probably heard that last portion of Scripture. That's a little bit more famous. But I love what it first started out with in verse 19, where he says to the people, I am sending you grain. Now, grain was very symbolic because it was a sign of provision coming to them. It was a sign of life restored to the land. It was a sign of great harvest to come to receive this grain from God. And then he said, I am sending you new wine. New wine is very symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's that scripture, maybe you've heard it says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. New wine, that new wine that God sent to us when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, I'm sending you my advocate, the Holy Spirit. And he sent us this new wine. And so this was very symbolic of God's presence coming to be with them and to fill them. And then he said, I am sending you oil. So much oil, your vats are going to overflow. And then later, In the verses, he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. What does oil represent? God's anointing and God's favor. To be anointed is to be set apart for God's work. And so God was saying to that entire group of people who had lost the locust years, he said, I am sending you provision and my presence and my anointing, and I will restore to you all that was lost. Because the thing is, you're still my people, and I still choose you. You know, the beautiful thing about the art of kintsugi is that the repair with gold actually allows the vessel to be filled once again. It allows it to go back to its intended design. Because the thing is, is the enemy would love for you to remain like broken pieces on the floor. The enemy would love for you to remain in this position. Why? Because if you remain this way, you can't do what you were designed to do. And you can't be who you were designed to be. The enemy would love to, for you to just rest in your brokenness and to live here. Here's the thing, though. Hear me, church. Your brokenness is welcome here. Absolutely. Jesus says, come as you are. But you need to understand this. It doesn't stop there. Jesus loves you so much. He says, I don't want to leave you this way. Yes, come as you are, but this is not God's best for you. This is not God's design for you. In fact, he follows up, come as you are, with now, now will you trust me to heal you? Will you trust me to restore you because I have better for you? And God will pick up every broken piece of your hearts, every broken piece of your life and your spirit, and with your permission, because God's a gentleman, the potter will restore his clay into a new creation, a creation that's even better than it was before, a creation that can once again be filled with the spirit of God, what it was always designed to do, a clay jar that actually becomes the vessel and the temple for God himself, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. I mentioned 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to go back there now reading verses seven to 10. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves, we are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, 
but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed through suffering. Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. So my friend, whatever it is that you've lost, I can promise you this with absolute certainty. God is a God of restoration, and he wants to restore you and restore in abundance. God actually wants to bless you with his grace and mercy beyond belief. He just wants you to turn your heart to him and to offer him the shattered pieces of your heart, the shattered pieces of your spirit or your life, and to trust him to begin his work in you to make you into a brand new creation, an earthly vessel that was always intended to house a heavenly power, a fragile creation that was always intended to have a beautiful story of restoration. Axon, you can come join me now. You know, one thing you need to know about Frosty and I is that we will never preach a message that we don't fully believe ourselves a message that we don't fully know to be true. And the reality is we've walked through our own locust years, years that feel a bit lost, years where you feel like you're pressed from every side. For those that don't know, we've been walking over two years of infertility. And you feel pressed, you feel perplexed because it's unexplained, and you feel like you're getting knocked down month after month, after month. And after almost two years of trying, we finally got our first positive pregnancy test. But then soon after, we lost the baby through an early miscarriage. And I'll be honest with you, is it, it felt like a slap to the face in a year where everything was getting canceled. It felt like our first child got canceled too. And so I had a few cracks along the way, but late last year, that just broke me. But while I was lying in my bed in agonizing pain, God gave me a new poem. And now he's asking me to share it with you today. So I pray that this poem brings you hope and brings you healing because it's called Kintsugi. The moment the pottery fell and the ceramic creation shattered was the moment the heart swelled and the potter who saw his beauty battered, crushed, lying in pieces in a room that was hushed, waiting for the potter to release his plan. What would he do with a creation who was now feeling less than perfect? Less than the other jars who could contain life within. Less than the other jars you could fill to the brim. Less than the jars who could nourish a bouquet of flowers. Less than the jars who held their ground as the plants within them towered over the room. There in his studio, jars were the homes for gorgeous blooms. And there on the floor, one jar laid visibly broken. Scooped up in the hands of the potter, he spoke into the colored fragments. Hmm. There is something that is absent. 
with every piece laid upon his table, his plan began to unfold and he knew he was able to take a jar that was seemingly less than and make her more than she ever was before. Yes, he had a plan to restore, but not simply restore to her prior condition. No, he had a plan for a surprising addition. With his tools laid out, hands focused on mission, he began to reconnect each piece like a skilled physician. With liquid gold, he repaired each break, not trying to disguise the pain or the ache, but rather highlighting the journey and the imperfections of a peace now filled with his love and affection, symbolized with rivers of gold that streamed through wounds that once seemed absolute. Her waterfalls of gold were now her greatest attribute, painted with care by a potter who healed held together with love by a potter who heard. She is a clay jar. He is gold. She's been shattered, yet he makes her whole. Church, I know this to be true, that God is a God of restoration and that God wants you to trust him, to allow him to draw close to you and to pick up those pieces and to slowly mend and restore each break. Not trying to make it go away, but seamlessly connecting your story with gold. He's a God who wants to make you aware of his goodness and his faithfulness through every part of your story. But he's also a God who can multiply your fruitfulness in the future. If you've been doing the Bible recap with us, you would know that yesterday we finished the book of Job, a story about a man's intense suffering. But at the end, God restored everything back to Job and in greater measure, in double portion. These Israelites who faced the locust years, these lost years, they had their lost years repaid to them and they received a great harvest. God is a God who can multiply your fruitfulness in the future. But more than anything, he's a God who offers us this beautiful exchange. He offers us eternal gain in exchange for our earthly pain. It's not a fair trade but it's a beautiful trade. And he offers us this new life. But all it takes from you is to offer the shattered pieces of your heart to him and to allow this potter to begin his work to restore you. As I come to a close today, I wanna ask you three questions because you now know part of our story, but your story is probably different you've probably faced some type of pain or suffering in your life because we all have. And my first question for you is what have you lost? What have you lost? I want you to write these questions down in your phone or in a journal so that you can remember to reflect on them this week. But maybe you lost a loved one or a marriage, a friendship, a relationship, a job, a business, maybe a country maybe a sense of your identity, maybe your dignity or integrity, your morals, your way, your faith, what have you lost? And then secondly, what does God promise to restore to you? 
all throughout scripture, we can find the promises of God that we can stand on and we can declare over our life, what has God promised to restore to you? Has he promised you hope? Has he promised you joy again? Has he promised you love, understanding, vision for your future, provision for your business, a sense of home, creativity, purpose for your life? Is it community you can lean on? Is it family? What does God promise to restore to you? And then the third question is the most important one of all. It's do you trust him? And you've only got two options as an answer. Yes or no. There's no maybe. There's no, oh, I trust him with this area of my life, but I still wanna control this area. Then that shows that you don't really trust him. God wants you to be all in. It's yes, I trust him or no, I don't. Because the thing is, is like I said, God will only pick you up and restore you if you give him permission to. If you say, yeah, God, I trust you with my life, with my future, with my family, with my plans. I trust you and I give it to you. I rend my heart to you. So do you trust him?